So we've just gathered around the table uh, in a time of thanksgiving, and I appreciate what Mel had to say about the early church and how they linked the Lord's Supper to a time of thanksgiving, the Eucharist. And I hope that uh, all of us had a, a great time of thanksgiving this last week. Uh, perhaps you had uh, the occasion to count your blessings, uh, to think about what God has done and what God is doing, what God will do. Uh, Thanksgiving is a time of spending time with family and friends and playing games and watching sports. Uh, for our family, it always involves dominoes and 42, and we got plenty of that this last week. Uh, this morning, though, I am particularly thankful, especially thankful for the church, for the family for the relationships that we have. And if you are a guest with us this morning, we've been working through a series called Can't Live Without Them, which is a series about the church. It's about all these different types of relationships that God blesses us with in order to help us become the people that God has called us to be. We need help. And we've looked at a lot of different relationships, a lot of different types of relationships. We are not islands unto ourselves. Uh, we are the best versions of ourselves whenever we are in community with others, when we are in relationship with others. So thus far in the series, we've looked at different types of people, different types of relationships in Scripture. Nathan, the truth teller. Jonathan, the true friend. Mordecai, the challenger. Timothy, the protege. Barnabas, the encourager. Paul, the mentor. Deborah, the calming presence. Zacchaeus, the reject, and Lydia, the VIP. And we need every one of these relationships, relationships that God supplies in the church. But this morning, we're not going to look at a person. We're going to look at a place. Everyone needs a Jerusalem. Everyone needs a home. And for our sermon text, I've chosen the letter from Jeremiah to the exiles in Jeremiah chapter 29. If you want to go and turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah is pretty easy to find. If you open up your Bibles to the middle, you're in the Psalms, head right, and you will run into some big books, Isaiah and then Jeremiah. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 29 as you're turning there, just a little background as to who Jeremiah was. He is known as the weeping prophet. And the reason why he's called the weeping prophet is because he had a very hard word to share with the people. It's a pronouncement of judgment on Judah and the capital city, Jerusalem. And this message was that because of their idolatry, uh, the people would be taken out. The people would be torn down and uprooted. And this judgment piece in Jeremiah's message would be fulfilled in the Babylonian Empire. God sends them to take out Jerusalem. And throughout the book, there are some storm clouds. I sat in on Mark Shipp's class this morning on 2 Samuel, and he had this, this picture, this video of these clouds and lightning going back and forth. And well, in Jeremiah, you could see the storm coming. But the people would not heed the warnings of the prophets, Jeremiah in particular. And eventually the Babylonians come, they destroy Jerusalem, and they deport the remnant of people 
into exile. A devastating blow that the people never really quite recover from. Even in the time of Jesus, even in the New Testament, we can still feel the trauma of that exile. But the question is, for these people who were initially deported, what are they supposed to be doing in captivity? What is their mission in Babylon? Well, that's what this passage is all about. Jeremiah chapter 29. I'll read the first couple of verses and then skip around. Jeremiah 29, hear the word of God, beginning in verse 1. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Skip on down to verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build Houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, You will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. Verse 10. For thus says the Lord, Only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. May God bless the reading of His Word. So this week... On the way home, I made that usual, you, that usual turn onto a dirt road, a uh, country road there in Lavernia, Texas. My sister and my brother-in-law were already there with their children. And it reminded me of a song. It's a song that uh, is very dear to our family. It's a song that was passed down to me from my parents that I have passed down to my children. And I know it's near and dear to many in this room. It's John Denver's country road. I don't know about you, but when I listen to John Denver's song, and I've talked about other songs that he has, he has sung uh, from the pulpit, but I don't know about you, when I hear John Denver, I hear some homesickness. I think he had some angst. I think he was frustrated with life in the city, and so he would sing about the Rocky Mountains, or in this case, 
the Blue Ridge Mountains. So many of his songs speak to this deep longing, this sense of longing to go home. Well, this shouldn't surprise us because John Denver grew up in a military family and they were constantly moving. He really didn't have a lot of time to establish roots and to forge deep friendships. The minute he did this, his family would move. So I hear in his music a longing for groundedness, rootedness, and permanence. Something that had been just out of his grasp in his childhood. And I wonder... How many of you this morning can connect to not only that upbringing, but maybe that yearning this morning for a country road to lead you home to a place where you belong, where you find belonging? Do you have a place? Do you have a West Virginia? Do you have a Jerusalem? Think about that for a moment. Where is your place? Where is your sense of belonging? It's difficult to overstate how catastrophic the exile was for the people of God who were receiving this letter. So much of their identity as a people was tied to Jerusalem and the temple and the kingship. All those promises of God given to the people, to Abraham, to Moses, to David, were held on to tightly by the people. And for centuries they lived in prosperity, but that prosperity hid something ugly underneath the surface. They were being rotted from the inside out because of their poor leadership and their idolatry and their injustice. Their allegiance to God had waned. They experienced lax obedience. And when you read about what they were caught up in by the time they went into exile, it's quite frightening. For example, 2 Kings chapter 23 with King Josiah. He's known as the great reformer and the things that he was having to reform are shocking As it turned out, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, were no different from their pagan neighbors. They were an absolute mess by the time they went into exile. God sent them warnings. He sent them the prophets. He sent them Jeremiah, but the people would not listen. And finally, God had had enough. And he sent the Babylonians to take them into captivity. And now, all of a sudden, all those things that had given them their identity, the land, their homes, the temple, the kingship, All of it was stripped away. And the people now lived in a strange land. Foreign buildings, foreign temples and gods and customs. Everything was suddenly strange and alien. They were now a people uprooted, dislocated from their homeland. And no doubt they were homesick. Some of their prophets were telling them that this was going to be a short stay in Babylon. But this is not what God said through Jeremiah. God told the people through Jeremiah that you're going to be there a long time. This judgment would last generations. And the message in this letter from Jeremiah 29 is that you better hunker down. You're going to be there a while. This is your new normal. For the exiles, there was no country road to take them home to a place where they belonged. Their new normal was to live a life as resident aliens. 
And when I read about their plight, when I think about what all went into exile, when I think about what that must have been like, I think we find a good conversation partner for us today here in Austin, Texas. We have a long time, we have many longtime Austinites among us. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But we also have a lot of people who have moved in. People who are dislocated from their families of origins. People who are transplants from other areas. Austin is a hot job market in the tech field and the arts and politics and academia and small businesses. People keep moving in if you haven't noticed. American society has become transient, transitory, and very mobile. Long gone are those days of the family farm and the generations that take care of the family business, which means we are a people who are constantly uprooting. And this certainly feeds the anxiety that runs rampant in our culture. Many of us experience a different kind of exile, and I I'm talking especially to our young people this morning, Generation Z. I've mentioned this before, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, David Kinneman wrote a book called Faith for Exiles, which is the sequel to the book, He Lost Me. And in his book, he describes what he calls digital Babylon. It's a different kind of exile, but I think it describes this new reality, this new way to function in this world. And he lists five characteristics. The first characteristic is that life is accelerated. Everything moves faster. The news cycles, the pace of life, the speed of information, the rate of change. In digital Babylon, everything is complex. Maybe it's because of all the choices. Everyday life feels more complicated and uncertain. In digital Babylon, there is phenomenal access. We have Wi-Fi everywhere, information overload. Another characteristic is profound alienation, especially from institutions and traditions that provide structure for society. And finally, there is a crisis of authority. Authority is viewed with suspicion in this brave new world, this digital Babylon where we live. And I I think Kinnaman has accurately described this this new world in which we reside, a a world really of groundlessness. And for many of us, we feel like strangers, resident aliens in unfamiliar territory. I think people who even grew up in Austin find themselves to be like strangers here. This is the world in which we're raising our children. This is what we are experiencing now. People without an anchor in life. People without grounding in this world. People who have shelter over our heads, but we have no home. And this world is only going to feel stranger and stranger, I'm afraid. That is the trend. It's getting harder and harder to find that country road to take us home to the place where we belong. For John Denver, that was West Virginia, the Blue Ridge Mountains. But for the remnants in Babylon, it was, of course, Jerusalem, the city far away now. 
The city that had provided stability and safety and security for generations. The city where King David had taken his place on the throne centuries before, as we've read about in our study of 1 and 2 Samuel in our Sunday morning Bible classes. But God gives the people a word through this letter from Jeremiah. And that word is surprising And this word to the remnants is really designed to help them, I think, manage their expectations, but also provide them a word of hope. And here's the message. Build houses, plant gardens. What's the new mission in captivity? Build houses, plant gardens. You're going to be here a long time. Despite what the false prophets are saying, you need to build houses, plant gardens, establish roots there as resident aliens in Babylon. But Jeremiah's letter goes beyond this. He then calls on them to be fruitful and multiply. Take wives. Have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. So the people of, in exile are to build houses plant gardens, and start families. But Jeremiah doesn't stop there. He tells them that they are also to pray for the welfare, the shalom of the city, because the exile's welfare, their prosperity, their shalom is tied to the shalom of the city. So the exiles have this new mission. Instead of plotting and orchestrating a rebellion in order to get back home, they were called to the mission of being God's people where God had planted them in a foreign land. And here's where Jerusalem comes in. God tells the people as they establish roots in Babylon, as they build houses and plant gardens and family, and as they pray for the welfare of the city, God speaks of a day when their captivity will end. When they will be gathered together to go back home. Home to Jerusalem as God rebuilds that which has been torn down and replants that which had been uprooted. There will be a time generations down the road when the people of God will be taken back home. When the homesickness would be no more. We listen to a lot of John Denver in our house. And I think many of his songs, and Country Road in particular, I think that hits on something that is, goes right to the heart of the human predicament, whether it's the exiles in Babylon or whether it is us today here in Austin, Texas, in what might be called digital Babylon. Humanity is homesick. Humanity is looking for their way back home. Do you need a home this morning? Do you need a Jerusalem? I see this letter as a powerful word for the people this morning, especially for those who feel displaced, dislocated, strangers in this brave new world, in this digital Babylon. 
Like the remnant in Babylon, we find ourselves in a kind of in-between time. Paul talks about this in his letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 8, in the context of suffering in verse 18 and following, he's talking about life in the wilderness. And the way he describes it is being in the birth pangs. And in the birth pangs, while we're here, not yet home, there's groaning. The creation groans. We who are waiting our full adoption, the redemption of our bodies, groan. The Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We are very much exiles here. Resident aliens who are not home yet. But I want to close with two thoughts this morning as we navigate life here in Austin, Texas, here in the wilderness. And this first one comes really from that image of being resident aliens. And I hear in this letter a word for the church. And the word is to build houses, plant gardens, and start families here in the exile Christianity can be accused of being a kind of escapism way of looking at life. That we are looking to escape to the next world. Well, let me assure you, there is a life to come. There is a future that is awaiting for us. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. But Christianity at its core is embodying the kingdom in the places where we are planted. We have a mission. We have work to do. We have neighbors. We have neighbors just behind us, many of whom are rich in the treasures of this world, but impoverished in the faith. We have neighbors just to the south of us who are struggling to make ends meet and they are hungry for good news. They're hungry for what the church can offer, what Jesus Christ can offer through the church. Both groups are in need of the hands and feet of Jesus. Both groups are in need of Brentwood Oaks. And what a shame it would be if they found us as a people who were trying to get away, trying to get us home as fast as we could. What people need is a church that's invested in their lives. People who are building houses and planting gardens here in North Austin. In the very short time we have here on this earth, James is right. Our life is but a breath. We are here today, gone tomorrow. What has God put right in front of us now? But the second and closing thought comes in this idea of Jerusalem. As we navigate life as resident aliens, do you have a Jerusalem? Do you have a place? Do you have a home where you belong? Even now in the present, and many of us experienced this this last week, God blesses us with these little pockets, these places of community, places of security and safety, 
places of love, places where we find home. We have these little Jerusalems, if you will, and for these we give thanks. But we live in a tension because we are a people who are on the way. We are a people with a destination. We are people who are in exile looking to that home that is to come. We have a Jerusalem that awaits us as it turns out because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of what happened at the empty tomb, because of what God has ushered into this world in the kingdom. We are already on our way home. We are already on that country road, if you will, to the place where we belong. One day we're going to be home. One day we're going to pass through that gate. And even now, we get a taste of it where two or three are gathered in His name. We're going to sing an invitation song. It's an invitation to come home, if you will, It's an invitation to think about the new Jerusalem that awaits, the habitation that is not built with our hands, the the habitation that is built by the living God. But until then, we have work to do. What houses are you building in North Austin and Round Rock and Pflugerville and Hutto and Leander and all the places we come from that I can't name right now? What gardens are you planting What connections with your neighbors are you making? What roots are you establishing? What good news are you proclaiming? The invitation is offered to all who need to hear good news, whether it is seeking the prayers and support of your church family here, the community of believers, people who have linked arms together and are on our way home. If you would like to be incorporated into the family, if you would like to be baptized, we can do that this morning as well. If you've done so, if you've been immersed, you would like to place membership with us, uh, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.